0: And I start with a nice word on Parsons, B'Shalach. The Pusik says, Hashem iluchum lichem, v'atam tachrishem. V'yemr Hashem amoy, she matetzek Eloi, d'abra b'nei Yisroi v'yisui. Atam tachrishem. Matetzek Eloi. Why are you screaming to Hashem? Hashem will do it for you. you. You keep quiet. So the Zohar Kudosh, brought down a man Yisroim, says, v'atam tachrishem, v'atik et al-yam elseh. There's nothing to scream for. There's nothing to get by, by davening. This is, this is dependent on Atika, which is something so high that you can't reach with your t'vidus. So, and Hashem will take care of it. Now, it's a, it's a hard concept to understand what Atika means and different explanations of it. But I saw a verse from the Rebbe He says that Atika, uh, aside from referring to the that it's referring to, is referring to the hetik misham when somebody moves himself from one place to the next. If you want Hashem to help you, shleikederchateva, right? You need to be shioli. You want Hashem to help you. You also have to do things shleikederchateva. And this is a concept that's brought on many s'urim by Rambam and others that say that when a person moves himself and goes beyond his limitations, beyond his teva, then Hashem kaviyochel does the same back and helps this person shleikederchateva. He says, "Patika and from When a person is ready to move himself from." from his limitations, from how he understands he should be doing things, from what's easy for him, what's comfortable. Hashem was telling them, You're going to move yourself out of your comfort zones for Hashem, and Hashem will help you and, and give you a yeshia. Now this idea of a person uh, moving himself beyond his limitations and doing something that's hard for him, this is, t- this is essentially uh, a life's mission. We're, we're all created to be able to overcome our Teva our, what's natural for us and, and you know, to go beyond what we consider uh, comfortable and easy and so often just this past week I spoke quite a few times uh, publicly last week due to Nittel a lot Drushas and often when I talk about, about understanding children understanding the nature of a child people always have these questions when there's was a the Q&A afterwards what do you mean but what's what Shri Sateva? what's what Shri Tzateva a person has to overcome his nature He's teaching us to, to, to educate children based on their nature and take their nature into account. And the answer, the, the simple answer is that means yourself. So often we want to break a child's nature. We want to have him overcome his nature because it makes it easier for us without realizing that we have a lot of our own nature to overcome. And when it comes to Chinech Avunim, on the contrary, the Chidduch of the Puzik, when it comes to Chinech, you're taking the nature of a child into account and you're not breaking him. You're using it and so often if only us parents us adults would be able to overcome our nature and how we deal naturally with our children we won't have to we won't have to break them or move them and we'll understand that it depends on us and so often when we we are ready to overcome what's natural for us that will eventually make it so much easier for children to do the same back so just like we're taught that if you want Hashem to do something for you you have to first overcome your own teva. I think it's very important for parents and educators to understand that so often what we're trying to do is stay in our comfort zones and get children to come out of theirs, and I think really it's, it should be the other way around. So that's just um, by way of introduction. So let me read a question over you. Thanks so much. I learned so much from your weekly lessons. Baruch Hashem. Okay, thank you. I'm wondering about my five-year-old son, a very sensitive child. He refuses to eat breakfast before Cheder, and lately he doesn't even want to drink anything. And it makes me really anxious to send him off this way. I try telling him, you don't have to eat, it's your choice, but you'll feel better. I tried forcing. Basically, nothing works. Do you think it's a concern? Should I continue telling him that it's his choice and that if he'll eat, he'll feel better? He tells me he can't eat because his stomach hurts when he eats in the morning. But I know that in an hour or so, he'll feel starved and won't be able to learn and won't be able to eat then because he's in class. And what about drinking? Should I force him that he must drink? Thanks so much for all the awareness. It really helps me with a lot with him in general. Okay? So, a uh, relatively typical question dealing with a UV child, very sensitive child, and doesn't want to eat. What do you do now? So let me just start off with just understanding the problem or the issue that we're dealing with over here. Eating habits, whether it's picky eaters or or children that have whatever kind of... what what may even sometimes look like an eating disorder, but the point is just that when it comes to eating, uh, it's one of the places where sensory issues and all kinds of sensitivities come to play. Most often, not always, but most often children that have issues with eating... Um, that's, that's not typical not so common or not the regular obviously all, all children have issues with eating many adults do as well but I'm saying when it's not common very often it's coming from hypersensitivity it's coming from an emotional um, sensitivity that either is having a problem with what they have to eat or being told to eat or when to eat or, and things like that uh, and being more sensitive to what they're eating in general I will say this just by way of introduction that you know your child is 5 years old that was when you sent him the question. Maybe by now he's even six. And most often, and most parents that have older children will tell you this, that most often children will grow out of this. And it's important to know that, not just to get encouraged and, and feel you know, comforted, but because if a, a big part of this, let's call it, is a childish issue. And like many childish issues, we try to deal with it. We try to help a child as much as we could. And when you can't, you wait and he'll grow out of it. He's not growing into it, he's growing out of it, probably. So I think the fact that the child's not eating in the morning, um, you know, very often I'll go out of it another thing I just want to say is that before we go into anything too kinech uh, oriented or too uh, problem solving mode very often there are technical things that you could do which I assume that you may have tried already but maybe not sometimes talking to a doctor or a dietitian or just studying the habits of the child and figuring out what's easier for him to eat or when it's easier for him to eat or if he wakes up earlier it's easier for him to prepare a certain thing etc very often just studying the patterns can resolve a lot of things and I say it because Often when I talk to people about situations, I see that they don't do that. They, they, they just see the child um, not eating and they're getting stuck on it. And it's very unnerving and, and it right, makes you anxious. And very often you get overtaken, overwhelmed by how you feel about a problem, that you don't have the time or the headspace or whatever it is, the mindset to, to really just try to figure out what it is. Are there times that he eat? Does he eat Shabbos? Yeah. In the week they're not? When he goes to sleep earlier, when he gets up later, like, sometimes it's just the rush or whatever it is, sometimes when you just take it apart and start comparing notes and instead of just saying, yeah, sometimes it's stuck like better, but most often it's not. So what do we do now? No, no, no. figure out why and when. And this is something that in general uh, is so important. I mentioned often my Chelem and I give every week a class about Chelem stories. And very often the punchline when it comes to Chelem and the silliness of the people in Chelem is all about not connecting the doubts and not studying the patterns, not realizing you know, what's happening again and again. There's a famous Einstein quote about uh, insanities, trying the same thing again and again and expecting different results. So very often when people would only take it apart and study the situation they're dealing with, they will already notice what some of the answer might be. That's just something to start off with. Now, like I said, sensitivity could definitely bring um, eating issues, whether it's because of sensory issues or different specifics that the kid gets stuck on, or just feeling comfortable about one thing yeah one thing not. Well, but this is all very normal. And in general, um, dealing with a sensitive child, in other words, so often this is just emotional, this is just one example of where this child's sensitivity is, is coming to play. I, I believe that you're not telling me that you know he's sensitive because he's refusing to eat. I believe that you see it in general. And that's why even when you're dealing with the eating issue, you want to make sure you're dealing with it with the big picture, with the right tools in general. Which means... That because a child is very sensitive, you want to make sure that when you're dealing with his eating habits, you're not putting him down. Just like with everything else, just like you understand, I assume based on how you're writing to me, and I see that you understand your child's personality, that when your child has a difficulty, you're not putting him down. You're 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 not saying, no, I know, you should never put down any child. You should never talk to anyone in a critical or condescending way. But especially with a child who's so sensitive, you want to be extra careful to make sure that he doesn't feel put down by this issue. So, very often when a child is not eating, instead of saying, you know, this is not normal and why are you doing this and look, everyone else is eating and comparing and doing all the, all the mistakes that parents sometimes make, just knowing that he's very sensitive means that even in this issue where I really do want to have normal results and I'm really not happy about what he's doing, I'm going to deal with it in a very, very um, um, clever way. What happens is sometimes you use your, your best winning logical argument to get a child to realize um, that what he's doing is not normal. If you don't eat now, you're going to be hungry. And because you're not eating, you're not doing well in khaydar, and blah, blah, blah. The more convincing you get, and the more winning you get, and the more right you are, the harder it is now for him to feel good about himself, the harder it is for him to say, you know, mommy, you're right. I didn't think of that. And that's why it's just so important to use all the tricks, and all the tools, and all the skills that you ever heard from me or anyone about how to deal with a sensitive child in this issue as well, even though you really do want to, even though you really do want him to eat. And I'll say another thing. Sometimes, it's the other way around. Sometimes because you want him to eat so much and you're willing to bend over backwards, and sometimes that's not either good. Because now he's going to dictate how to eat and what to eat and where to eat things like that. So I think what's very important is, is to know how to deal with the right amount of sensitivity. And this is something I probably repeat every single week. The balance of having the right amount of sensitivity, understanding the child, caring for him, talking to him about it in a very nice way where he doesn't feel challenged by it, he feels understood, he feels validated. He doesn't, he doesn't feel that you feel that he's doing anything wrong. But at the same time, to be very clear about what it is that you are ready to help him with, and all the different options you have for him, on your terms. Now he should be deciding that, okay, I'm on the way to Cheyzeh, I'll stop in a pizza store, and I'll get it. A... No, 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 Listen, I understand that it's not easy for you to eat. I understand that this might make it easier. I'm willing to either wake you up earlier, prepare something by night, uh, let you pack something and take along. I'll give you the options that I'm okay with. And from those options, you're going to choose. Now usually when a child's feeling less challenged and more understood, But he's hearing clearly what his options are and aren't and he knows how much it would mean to you if he does it and how much you're going to make him feel good for doing it. That balance is definitely something that that could help. Another important part of it, which also I I mentioned this about so many different situations and I'm going to say it again. I think that talking about it in advance, not in the morning, is so important. And very often people don't like to do that. They don't like to bring up problems when it's not relevant. In the morning I'll try to get him to eat. This time with this incentive, that time with that trick. But talk about it by night. Talk about it when he comes home in the afternoon. Tell him how much you think it would be helpful if he ate, and how much you want, and that you know it's not easy for him. That he doesn't have to. You know, very often, when you discuss it in advance, and it's easier to talk because it's less emotionally challenging, and it's also something that could help. And yeah, there's the typical um, ideas that I can give you when discussing this, either about offering incentives or choices. And choices could like be, like I said before, it could be different foods. you will be taking along and eating at the bus. you will be taking along and eating by the break in class. You might want to talk to his rabbi about it, you, want to, you might want to ask him if you should talk to his rabbi about it, and things like that, you know, to know, um, to know how, to, how, to, how to take care of this. I think it's very important. I think it is very important for children to eat. It's not a question that when a child doesn't eat well, it could affect them. But sometimes we just have to step back and, and reassess how we're dealing with it. Now, again, I have no reason to assume he did anything wrong, but based on what you're writing, I tell him that it's his choice and that he doesn't have to, and I tried forcing, and nothing worked. Again, I don't know if you tried doing that all on the same day. And I'm just mentioning this because that's often what we do. Someday we try to force a child to do something. Monday we realize it's not working, and we stop. Tuesday we see that being nice about it didn't help, so we go again tough on the kid. Wednesday we realize, you know, I just heard a nice Chinach speech, and it's not the way to do it, so I'm going to take him out for a treat because I feel bad. By the time you mix a kid up, he doesn't even know anymore what you're trying to do. Consistency, especially when it comes to fragile children, it's so important that a child knows, I'm never going to hurt you about it, and I'm never going to put you down about it, and I'm never going to force you about it, and I'm also never going to do exactly what you want, and never going to accommodate you on your terms and get all controlled by, by your craziness. So, so there's a consistency. It's not trying to force and be nice. It's not trying to force and being nice and still not being controlled, and I think that's very important. And I think in general, let's just, just not not... Forget you know because you mentioned just because you mentioned I, I tried forcing it didn't work well it's not a question that it didn't work right part of part of one one of the biggest struggles that parents have with sensitive children and it's the same thing that people have with adults when it comes to sensitivity and emotionalism is that aversion to being controlled so if your question is and you wrote it again um, what should I do should I force him should I force him to eat should I force him to drink I don't think you should force anyone to do anything, but certainly not a child who's not going to handle it, which means even if in the short term, forcing him might solve this problem of having him not be hungry. I don't think it's, it might not last long. He might tell you he's nauseous because of it. He might even get nauseous because of it. Children could get nauseous, believe it or not, just because they're feeling forced and uncomfortable about what it is that's being done because they can't handle it. Just this week I was, had a meeting in my office with a kid that wasn't doing well in a certain program that they hoped that would be beneficial for him. Now, in the the course of the conversation, it became obvious that this child never wanted to sign up for this program to begin with, he didn't feel good about it, he felt singled out, he didn't feel it was necessary, and he was forced to do it, in the hopes that it's going to be helpful for him, and everyone meant well, and it didn't work. It just didn't work. So it's it's four months later, and still not working, what do we do now? This program should have been such a great program. It is a great program, and maybe it would have helped, if only the child would have been okay with it, but being that it was forced upon him, it wasn't working, so... Did it work to get him to go? Yes. Did, did it work that he realized he didn't have a choice about it? Yes. Did it work uh, for other kids? Yes. But did it help him? No. So I think there's something so important uh, in general to understand that one of the big, one of the biggest aversions of a UV child, a sensitive child, is not be forced, controlled into anything. And sometimes not wanting to eat is also because nobody's tell me when to eat or what to eat or how to eat. So it doesn't mean that he has all the choices in the world. It doesn't mean that you're gonna you're gonna order him um, some fancy food from out know nowhere. Or let him eat in the middle of class, there are things that he can't do. But I think that feeling understood and being given choices and hearing that it's really not okay and getting an incentive and things like that will definitely make it will definitely make it easier. So I think that's also important. And I'll just say this that sometimes when you give a child a choice in the hopes that he'll choose well. And very often people get discouraged. Well I, I told him it's his choice and, and he didn't he didn't it didn't work. Hey, it's all the time. I would, tell a, I would tell a parent, tell your tell your son, that he doesn't have to, it's only if he wants. Yeah, I told it to him, and he didn't do it. Well, the point of giving him a choice was that you actually are letting him choose. Sometimes he wanted to test you and see if he Taka, could choose, and you're really allowing him to, or you're just saying that it's his choice, but then he's going to get upset if he doesn't choose well. And sometimes it's acknowledging the fact that he is allowed to choose, and you're not going to force him. So even if he chooses the wrong way forever, just the fact that forcing him is not an option... So, you're allowing him to choose, so he might not, so it, so it didn't work. But very often it does work. Very often, when you tell a child, um, I would really appreciate if you do this, but it's your choice, even if he doesn't do it the first week or the second week, but you keep on telling it to him in a very nice way. Not in a way where, you know, last week I gave you a choice, you didn't do but this week I. No, not, not in a resentful way, not in a controlling way. You tell him, listen, I love when you help preparing the table for Shabbos, you do such a good job. You don't have to, but it's a big help. And he chooses not to. And a week later, again, you tell him, listen, only if you could, I, I love the way you help out with the Shabbos table. I remember in the past when you did do it, it was beautiful, and I could always tell the way you do it, but again, only if you want, if you're busy with your books and games, you don't have to. And you mean it. And he doesn't do it again. And he tells him the third week, you'll be surprised the fourth week he might even do it before you even ask him to. And just recently somebody told me this, also just the last week or two, yeah. um, also dealing with a, uh, a teenage girl, not such a situation, helping out for Shabbos, different things, and it was always a struggle. Why don't you, and you should, okay so I'll give you a choice which one do you want to do you want to do by night or by day or by this in the morning and who's coming with a song and a dance about your sister doing so much this and the little one's doing that and you're not doing anything and what it wasn't working it was working sometimes short term which he ended up having to do something but it wasn't working and when he pulled back all the way almost almost all the way due to the circumstance she was actually doing things for the first time in years that he wasn't even expecting to happen and that's what it means to give someone a choice to let them breathe and let them be so I think that sometimes with a 5 year old kid even though he does have to eat that's it's important to eat and you should try to come up with anything you could that's going to get him to eat but sometimes in your interaction with him letting him feel that he could choose and feel understood and being given certain options might just make it easier for him even if it doesn't happen right away and I think it's important to remember that certain things don't have to happen right away it's important that a kid eat and, and it could be that he's not functioning too well and it's still important that you have, you have a little patience the results now. Again, if you were waiting a few months for me to address this in the class, nothing changed, and you must have a lot of patience anyway. You know, so I think that that's a, a good sign. But in general, it's good to be patient when it comes to issues with children. At the end of the day, even the things that work, they don't just follow a script, and they don't just fall into a trap. And sometimes you just have to be very patient. Another thing, when you're giving a child a choice, in general, it's, it's it's very often important to show confidence in his ability to choose wisely. Very often, when you give a child a choice, and you end off with. You're a smart boy. I'm sure you're going to come with the right thing to do. Or you're a smart girl. I know that if I let you choose, or or if you do it the way you want, it's going to end up being best. As if I don't even know what's good for you, but I trust you. That confidence and believing in a kid and knowing that he could uh, and knowing that you trust his him to choose wisely is also something that's very important. And and you compliment his choice, whatever it was, whatever it was. The easier you are on a child, the more the easier it is then to compliment him for doing it on his own because he didn't have to. I say this every week. When you force someone to do something, you can't even thank them for it anymore. You can't make them feel good about it. Take this drink. You better take this drink, okay? Wow, you're such a good boy. You take the drink. I try to take a heart. And this is with adults as well. The more you, lo- you let someone choose and the more it's up to them and the more you're not controlling them, the more you could then make them feel good. You know, I'm really proud of what you did. I know it wasn't easy and, and I appreciate it. You really did the right thing. even if it wasn't the right thing, it was only 20% of the right thing, don't be afraid to give the compliment and the good word and the praise, assuming that if I compliment him for this, he's going to think that that's all that's needed, and then he's not going to do anything more than that. It's usually not how it works. So I think that in general, understanding a sensitive child, working along with his feelings, making you feel understood, that alone sometimes is even more important than the food. That emotional nourishment of not feeling put down, and not feeling misunderstood, and not feeling controlled, and not feeling, uh, you know, that his parents are upset with him and angry at him and noticing how he's hurting himself and doing everything wrong, that alone is sometimes more important than the food. But I think that so often that's a stepping stone to get him to be eating well and something we all have to know because it's not just food. This is just an example. Everyone that's dealing with any child who's resistant to almost anything, being more understanding of him and not being overtaken by him, but, but expressing clearly what you want from him, you know, in most cases will, will do the job. So I, mean, I myself, yourself, I hope that Batika Talia you know, I hope that we'll all be able to get our children to get our, out of their limitations and overcome their struggles through us overcoming ours and not being so stuck on what we want to happen and what we want it to happen and how it should happen and loosening up a little and, and you know coming toward a child and I have yourself that will help us see from each and every one of them.